We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is our Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister, alive and well again, miraculously, after the Rebels take three from Missouri. They sweep the Tigers to uh, really put themselves back in position for a realistic chance at a at an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament. Now, realistic, not likely, but uh, the fact that Ole Miss is in this position uh, is kind of amazing, 10 and 14 after as bad as it has looked sometimes. So Colin and I back on Sundays, I got to be honest, if Ole Miss had lost two out of three like I thought they would or only taken two, we'd have probably punted on the baseball idea. But um, look, they're relevant again and back with a chance to get into the postseason. We break all that down, what they need to do what was different this weekend, how much of it was Missouri being bad, and a whole lot more in between. So Sunday Baseball Conversation lives on again with Colin. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're in a sports wagering, you need to use Skybox. It's that simple. They're going to lead you to profit more consistently than, their own, than your own brain and certainly more consistently than anyone else you go to in the industry. They've been hitting at 60% uh, at NCAA basketball all time, 60% at NASCAR, 55-57 NCAA football, and 56 on the NFL. From the time it's inception, that's exactly right. From the time Skybox has been doing this, they've been doing this for a number of years now. They've had six straight outright winners predicted in NASCAR. How about that? Mark Harris and the guys crushing it over there. Whatever your sport may be, they're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Whether that's month-long, season-long, you can go sports-centric. You could try all sports for a month or a week. You even try it for a day. I recommend going with the year-long all-access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because when you do business with Skybox, it's an investment. They're going to lead you to profit. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday nights, Monday mornings, asking you to square up. You want to be texting him asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to help you do that. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a picks package. Use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you'll get 20% off for listening to this show. Skyboxsportspicks.com. Check them out. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. Absolutely the best place in Mississippi in the world, for that matter, to get meat right now. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, Rippy Rights newsletter subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. 
type in your email, you get a free newsletter for me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16 ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's a hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Greg, big weekend with the Kentucky Derby right up his alley. Grilling, weather was perfect. Grilling season is here. Greg wants to make sure you have something great to throw on the grill. He wants to make your grilling experience great. You need to go check him out. Find all your own favorites after you get the Rippy Right special. Just go show him proof of subscription. Then go find out what you like in there. If you don't, if he doesn't have it, he's going to get it for you. Greg wants to make sure he can do anything he can to get anyone that comes in his store what they want to throw on the grill. They've got also all kinds of different cuts. Lane Train special, bacon wrap filet, um, all kinds of delicious sausages. He hit the sausage rotation on the Friday show, if you missed that one, all kinds of delicious stuff there. Fresh seafood, all kinds of delicious sides. I love the filet burger, the tri-tips to die for, all kinds of different stuff there. You need to go find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on a baseball conversation I didn't think we'd be having. But, hey, Ole Miss has a chance. We outline what they need to do. Coming at you a little bit later on a Monday. I had trouble getting the show up this morning for work. But uh, better late than never. So buckle up. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. Ole Miss sweeps Missouri for its SEC, first SEC home series win of the season. Uh, this team's fine. Where do they – is it time to start talking about hosting again? Yeah, uh, probably the eighth seed now. Probably probably going to be the eighth national seed. You know, probably, probably too late to recover and get a, get a top top seven. But they can sneak in there for sure and get a, a, get a top eight national seed no I'm kidding this team's not going to be top eight of the SEC tournament but it was a good weekend for them yeah it was and I you know I, I, I'm being sarcastic but at the same time um it was a good weekend for them I you know right before we started recording this tonight I uh you know gave our usual what's up whatever and I was like honestly I'm surprised we're doing this again um I didn't think they would take this series uh just based on really anything we'd seen over the last month or so um and I was curious if they could – I was curious if they'd win a game, to be completely honest. I know Missouri's not good, and that's probably a little dramatic. I figured they would probably take a game of this series. But I thought it would play out like anything else. I figured they would be good on the dilution night like they always are. And then, you know, kind of honestly squander opportunities and let a decent Missouri offense, which is kind of the only team that only thing that's kept that team afloat, um, capitalize in the last two games and it be like Groundhog Day over again. The uh, complete inverse was true. And, you know, there's a number of different places we could start. We could go big picture, small picture, whatever you want to go. But I think it starts with with Friday night because doing Delusia wasn't good. Ole Miss won the game anyway, and they were down one to nothing in the first inning, uh, wasn't it? Right. And, you know, you got a full count, I think, and you kind of catch a break with one off the plate. But the point being is, what's that stat you've had going into the series? This series not as counting. What's the stat you've thrown at us a couple times? Yeah, the they had game? not erased. They had not won an SEC game that they were behind in since the first game of the SDCC. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. That's not what you want. And for, you know, this <laughs> until this weekend, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Until this weekend, and you know, for this team to not fold when it really did look like it was going to be a disaster. I mean, I was telling you this was the first weekend for that uh, in a while for that Friday game. I wasn't super locked in, mostly because I just didn't want to sit at my house and watch a SEC Network Plus game for another Friday for a team that was headed nowhere. But they give up two runs in the first inning. You know, it looks like their disaster is honestly almost imminent at this point. And to credit them, they scored three in the bottom of the first um, to kind of take it back and take the lead. And they played pretty decent baseball. I didn't think Friday was a perfect game, but they had another one 
in the third, and then they kind of trade blows. And um, Brandon Johnson was good late. I, uh, you know, if you're looking for a toughness factor with this team, you know, they sure. lacked even Mike Bianco, or I guess that we've said they've lacked is what I should say. Even Mike Bianco, I, I think he – I can't remember if this was after the Sunday game against Arkansas, but was talking about how, you know, what does toughness mean? It means, you know, not swinging at ball four on three and one or fouling off a couple pitches to it. That's like the yeah. small things. Not necessarily questioning their manhood per se like some people think of toughness, but just, you know, mentally tough and having some resolve. This team absolutely had that, and I think it starts with Friday. I was impressed with the effort. I didn't think they'd go on to win two more, but I thought that was a, a good sign. It kept them alive. So, so – I think early in the year when, when this team gets swept by Tennessee and they get swept by Alabama and you're like, well, what the hell is going on? Um, a, a lot of questions regarding, hey, is this team playing hard? I think those were fair. Um, if you had watched this team the last three weekends against South Carolina, against Mississippi State, and against Arkansas, I'm not exactly sure how in those three weekends you looked at them and said, they're not trying. No, they're trying. They just weren't very good. Um, and then this weekend, give them some credit. They just they just put it together, and I think what you're talking about is important. Um, the script that it that we thought it took for Ole Miss to win an SEC series did not play out. Dylan Delusia was not good. Um, they did not hit the ball out of the ballpark a whole lot this weekend. Kevin Graham hits two on Sunday, but other than that, I believe uh, maybe Elko had one. Uh, no, it wasn't Elko. I can't remember who hit the other one. Chad a uh, big home run in the fourth, that's right. I think it was the fifth inning there on uh in the Friday. On Friday. Game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, is it too late to make the tournament? Absolutely not. Um, this, this team is uh, – it's going to have to win some games, and it's got, it's got some work it's got to do. Um, but if you, if you are wanting to see signs of life and see they're still fighting, I think those were readily available this weekend. Now, look, competition was not very good. Ole Miss is going to have to go play well in Baton Rouge if he wants to win a series and, and continue to have this postseason talk. But for a weekend, I was happy for those kids. Um, I was. Look, this is not going how any of them wanted it to. Um, but it is good to see that, hey, look, with two weekends uh, left in the season, there's still a, a real I'm – not, I'm not predicting it necessarily, but there is still a realistic possibility that this team finds itself in the Hattiesburg Regional or something of the like. And that's what this weekend got for them. You're exactly right. Sure. I think the theme of this podcast will be multiple things can be true. Uh, whether at one time or one was true and then another was true at another time, because I think it's an important point you make. Um, you talk about early in the year, particularly in March, when you know they were swept by Tennessee, they were swept by Alabama. You you brought up the the point of like we were, I think, rightfully at the time and fairly questioning like, is this team playing hard? Like, is this team tough? And then it switched, and then they just weren't good. And that's not a great combination to switch to. That's no. not necessarily a. Uh, a great pivot, but it's it's true. There's a difference. In the last three weekends leading up to this weekend, they just weren't good, but they were certainly fighting hard, whether it's the four runs to tie it in the ninth against South Carolina or, you know, going on the road, winning the Friday game at Arkansas and having a chance despite absolutely – Tying it up against State in the ninth. Yeah, you're exactly right. That was another example I forgot. Jacob yeah. Gonzalez hits the home run over. They were, you know, trying and playing hard. They just weren't good. And then you bring up – the aspect of this weekend, like, yes, they sweep. It's their first home series win. Yes, Missouri stinks. The competition was not good. Both of those things can be true. And if you want to talk about it from, like, a, a big picture standpoint, this result had to happen to give them any realistic chance. Like, saying it's realistic, I don't think uh, – that shouldn't 
I guess that shouldn't uh, like insinuate that I think they're going to do it and get into the postseason. I don't necessarily know that you would bet on it either, but like it no. makes it realistic. It basically put them in a position sweeping this weekend, sitting at what they're ten and fourteen now. That basically mm-hmm. puts them in a position to where if they go win their final two series, they got to feel pretty good about their chances of getting in yeah, the tournament. And if, that's if you want to get in. Did. If you want to get into some semantics about it, um, as far as what they need to do, I think I think here's what I think. Because um, people have asked me after this weekend, I think they have to win five more SEC games, and that does include the tournament um, to feel a hundred percent safe. If, if you want to feel a hundred percent safe, you need to win five SEC games, um, including the tournament. Think four, and you've got a decent shot. I actually went and pulled the numbers. I shared, uh, or I have, I have a spreadsheet with it. Um, I have this up. Six, by the way, that you sent me. Thank you. Oh, okay. So I think I believe it's sixty percent of teams that win 50, 15 SEC team yeah, win fifteen SEC games, including the tournament, get in. And I believe it's I can't remember exactly what it is for teams that have sixteen wins, including the tournament, but it's extremely, extremely high. Um, so if if they're able to figure out a way to win four games, I would think you go into selection Monday very, very confident. It's Sixteen of nineteen. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's it's pretty high. I would take that on some of my test grades. Eighty four percent. If you win sixteen SEC games, I would take um, that on every so, test I'd ever taken in my life. But that's either here or there. <laughs> but you know, can you win five games? I don't know. Um, it starts by winning one this weekend and and two the next. And uh, having asking this team to go win more than two games in Hoover is probably not a realistic ask. So. Uh, definitely need to figure out a way to win three this weekend. Or, excuse me, three over the next two weekends. Yeah, so to so, so your point, you're talking about winning five games and can you get to that 15th win? It's 16. 16, yeah, excuse me. But it's important to note, I guess, that the, in the committee's eyes, the Governor's Cup works in yes. a favor as a conference win. And so if you've got to – if they won the next two series, that would put them at 14 and 16. And generally yeah. – unless your RPI and strength of schedule is a complete wreck, if you are 14 and 16, you feel pretty good about your chances. Not great. Sure. Um, I think the, the you went and did this research. It looks like all the way back to 2001, uh, 12 of, excuse me, six of 13 teams have gotten in with 14 wins, I believe. Six. Now, and that, that, that does include the tournament too. So a lot of those teams uh, that were 14 and 16 went to the tournament and won a game or something of that like. Fair enough. So their 14 to 16 regular season wins, I think that puts them in a good chance. Are you factoring the sure. Cup into the 15? Or are you saying yes. they should go win five of six? Um, I am saying they have 11 SEC wins and they need to go win five more to get to 16. Okay. So you think they need to get to 16 to have a slam dunk opportunity? That's interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, I think for, look, I didn't, I, I didn't say that they would be absolutely out if they got, if they finished with 15. I just think if you want to wake up on, selection Monday knowing hey we're going somewhere um you might you probably want to win five because look this team's RPI is not great but if it wins five tonight by the way right but if it wins five SEC games and maybe that game in Southern Miss um the RPI will be fine so look yeah if you if you want to feel great on selection Monday I think five if you want to sweat it out a little bit four any less than four and I don't think the Rebels will be playing postseason baseball I, uh, I tend to agree with you. I'll hold that thought, though, because I want to get back to this in a minute. we got a couple of things from the weekend to get to, but I do kind of sure. want to take a deeper dive into uh, this one, the spreadsheet you sent me regarding these teams over the last two decades, and two, there's their chances in general at the end. 
But um, it was it, there were some encouraging signs this weekend. You know, Delusha wasn't good. He required a hundred and eleven pitches, and he only got twelve outs. He really labored in the first inning. I can't remember exactly what his pitch count was after one. It was like fifty. Yeah, I was about to say. I want to say it was fifty plus. I had fifty four in my head, but I don't know if that's correct. I didn't write it down. He it really, was it was on the it was on the other side of fifty. I know that. He really really labored in this one, and. I, there were a lot of things. He didn't look the sharpest. Do you think there's any – I mean, you would know better than me because you um, – Baseball. I know, what, I know what you're about to ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he had he, – so now, he now, including the 111 pitches, has thrown 451 pitches in his last four outings. And, of course, if you take out the 111 for this game, that is 340 in his last three. That's a lot of pitches for anybody. Do you think that factored into it at all? Um, Possibly. But – Am I crazy that I was impressed by Dylan Delucia's outing? Um, because he gives up – he has the bad first inning, and he wasn't good. But you know what, like, Friday night dudes do when they don't have it? They just figure out a way to go compete, and he did. And, look, if you'd have told Mike, hey, after one inning, this cat's going to give you throw 51 pitches, he'd be like, oh, buddy, I'm in trouble. Um, and he figured out a way to get them four, man. Uh, look, he didn't have it. He was bad. Um, but he, he, he fought his guts out. Is he tired? I don't know. I think it's going to take more than one outing for us to make that declaration. Um, we'll see. I think I think if you, if it's something that happens this weekend, then it's certainly something to ponder. But I, I think it's probably just a little bit too early to, to, to worry about that one weekend, uh, you know, after having one bad start on a Friday night. What do you think it is with, uh, you know, Mike, particularly since pitch count over the last decade has become more of a uh, – hot topic about and you got uh, coaches are more uh, conscious about it Mike has really let Delusia go and let him be the workhorse what do you think not even just this weekend letting him go under 11 pitches and 12 uh, and get 12 outs because as you mentioned I thought he battled and you know at least put up got through four frames and gave them a chance without just completely wrecking the bullpen in night one but what do you think it is with him where Mike allows him to go so deep into games because if you saw when he was dominant particularly South Carolina Mississippi State comes to mind an opportunity like the normal time you get him out in like the seventh or something when he's hitting that 100 pitch mark Mike just kind of lets him go do you think that's a preserve the bullpen thing why do you think Mike lets him go that far I'm not questioning no, I think, curious I think tired Delusia is better than a lot of their other options that's probably fair I, I mean I just I really think that I think tired Delusia is still a lot better than 90 or 70 percent of their bullpen um which that's a whole other topic but look somebody's got to eat those innings um, and I don't really think Mike trusts any a whole lot of kids right now. So, you know, is is speaking of that, it's good to see Jack Washburn back this weekend. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a, it's something that that that's certainly prevalent. Um, when you talk about what happened at South Carolina, let him extend, and then throws the complete game against Mississippi State. Um, yeah, I just I think he trusts him, uh, even if he's a little bit tired more than more than a lot of other guys. So he, he leaves the game after four innings. I thought Mason Nichols was okay in relief. I thought they got good, uh, good production from Doherty and Brandon Johnson, um, particularly the end. I think Johnson struck out uh, four of the eight batters he faced, so he looked pretty sharp really there as well. But, you know, that was a pretty tight and kind of Friday night game that Ole Miss absolutely had to have, and they haven't come out on the right side of a lot of those. But, I mean, they battled. They got another one back in the third. Chanye home run gives them the lead for good in the sixth. These seesaw affairs that they've lost, you got to give them credit on a night that Missouri was obviously seeing the ball pretty well. Ole Miss found a way to come out 
uh, in a game they didn't really necessarily play very well, uh, even offensively. I mean, they scored the seven runs on seven hits. They were a little better with opportunistic hitting. But, like, I don't know. I mean, Missouri made three errors. But a coin flip game they won, and they haven't won a ton of those. Yeah, no, good on them. Um, uh, I I just – I go back to the losers out here, man, because this this bullpen, um, you know, he, he didn't he didn't have his best stuff, and he only made you know the two guys that uh, that aren't Brandon Johnson cover what three innings. It was what who Mason Nichols and who came in after Nichols. I'm, I can't you got Doherty for it. five outs. Doherty, and that's right. Brandon Johnson, right. So so those guys only had to cover three innings and on a on a night when he had what C minus stuff. Um, that's what dogs do, man. He was he. he I keep going back to it, but he didn't have any anything really working for him, and he figured out a way to keep his team in the baseball game. And, again, competition wasn't great. That can't happen in Baton Rouge next week. You'll be down 8-2, and the game will be over. Um, but it, for, for a weekend, that was extremely, extremely impressive to me. And, and I know that's weird to, to talk about how uh, on probably his worst start of the year, um, how I thought it was impressive, but, but I really did just because he didn't let things unravel on him, and, and that's what dudes do. You're exactly right. I mean, competition, competition be damned. And, you know, the pin was good enough. And that's probably a larger theme before we get in the offensive side of it. Sure. The starting pitching for the last two – I mean, you could go, I guess, like Delusia State. Yeah, like five – you know, I don't know. Mostly the last three weekends has been perfectly fine. And it's kind of a weird place to be, right? Because we've said it – I mean, as far back as March, it's like Mike usually finds a way to have a comp- competent or competitive pitching staff if, and this offense will hit. That was kind of the conversation in March after the Tennessee sweep or really after that Kentucky series where it's like, I think they'll probably be fine. And, you know, that obviously – the latter part hasn't that been true. But the, the starting pitching has been fine. I mean, I feel like the last two weeks – you've had Hunter Elliott go into the sixth inning or complete six innings each of the last two weeks. I felt like he had been pitching that way for about five. The defense failed him a little bit. He had some bad luck. I felt like he's finally seeing the results of how well he's pitched in his last two outings. And then even Derek Diamond, look, if there's anyone that needs or would benefit from a, you know, 9 nothing lead after three innings or four innings, whatever it was, before the Sunday side, it's Derek Diamond. He could look good in that spot, but he even got five from him. I guess my point is the last three weeks or so, the starting pitching has been fine. The offense has been what's failing them. And I don't think that should get lost in that because as we kind of spin this forward and talk about, well, does this team have a chance to go win two in Baton Rouge and take two at home from a pretty good A&M club? I think the fact that their starting pitching is pitching isn't completely abysmal like it was, you know, the first three weeks of the SEC season certainly matters in that regard. It's uh, I don't have any numbers to throw at you, but it's been pretty good. No, yeah, it's uh, I think Nick Suss said what after the first or the last three or four weekends they had a sub four ERA on the mound. Um, certainly would have took that. Um, just the offense hasn't been good enough, but but the offense was good enough this weekend, thankfully. Um, uh, but no, I, I think look, they've settled into rotation. Um, Hunter Elliott's been good the last two weeks. I'll say this, and, and I know you said we'd get to this, and we will. If I am, like, anyone that is hosting a regional, I'm praying Ole Miss doesn't make it, right? Because I don't want this 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 group to roll into a regional where like, they can breathe and chill out, and all of a sudden this offense catches fire. Because, like we said, I think the pitching staff has figured it out. Um, to, to the – to what we thought they would be. Let's not pretend like they're going to be, you know, uh, the, the the Vanderbilt Commodores last year. But but they figured it out enough to compete uh, relatively. And that's what I'm saying. If this offense could ever figure it out, 
when, when you consider the fact that the pitching has somewhat come around, it's like, man, um, you know, it, it's like this team might – over the next two two series might figure out that uh, – figure out the team it's supposed to be. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, on paper, they could be a pain in the ass, right? Like, some people listening to this are probably rolling their eyes like, look, it's Missouri. Like, sure. I've seen too much from this team. That's not necessarily what you're saying. or Because I kind of agree with your notion. Like, on the, on the surface, this team is not supposed to be that bad. So, if you're a, a, a host, I don't think you would necessarily want Ole Miss rolling in as the three because, again, on paper – this team is not supposed to suck as bad as it does. And there's also a world if they are in a regional and they have, uh, and they have figured it out, right? That means they get to that kind of that 14, 15 win threshold like you outlined earlier in the show. Well, that means they will have played, what, 500 or over 500 yeah. baseball for four or five weeks at that point. So, like, if it works out that way, that's clearly not the same team, you know, in March and early April that's entering the regional. I agree with you. I wouldn't want to see it either because, you know, you let the offense get hot and then – you know, who knows? And the pitching has kind of been there to back it up. Again, they have a long way to go to get there. But sure. I agree with uh, – I certainly agree with your point there as well. And, like, the for a while it doesn't seem – like, the, even when the bullpen wasn't bad, it seemed like they're, uh, they were struggling to define roles. Like, there were so many different guys coming in and out of the rotation and vice versa or whatever. It seemed difficult for them to find established roles. But doesn't it feel like now you know a little bit more about, like, who's coming in later in a game? Like, the Doherty yeah. move made sense. Mason Nichols was a little bit of an interesting one, but I think if sure. if Delusia had come out in the fifth or the sixth versus the you know Ole Miss having to go cover that fifth inning as well, it would have made a little bit of a difference. But I guess my point being is the starting pitching state uh, being stabilized a little bit has also made the bullpen make more sense because I mean if nothing else for the sheer reason of you don't have to wonder well is this guy going to start this week or is he going to be a bullpen arm and what way is he going <laughs> to be if he's in there so I think it's kind of worked in both ways it's made the bullpen stronger just from the fact of cementing some roles a little bit yeah um and 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 a lot of that's credit to Dylan Belushi and Hunter Elliott being really pretty good over the last two weeks it's um look they, they've established some roles they've got some guys that that you know, they trust on the back end. You know, Doherty's numbers aren't going to suggest that he's been great this year. Um, but but I think he's fine in, in the role he's in. And then Brandon Johnson certainly has been good the last week or week and a half. Um, you know, look, this is a flawed team. Let's just let's be honest about that. But um, it's a team that, that's starting to, at least on the mound, figure out who they are and somewhat have a, a semblance of an identity, um, you know. And, and that's a good thing. It's look, this team is I think this team from this point forward will give it give the offense a chance to compete. Um and quite frankly, it like it has been all year is on the offense to go get the job done. Um if this team in four weeks is is playing postseason baseball in Hattiesburg or wherever, um, then it's because the offense decided to 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 play well like it did this weekend. If they go to the SEC tournament and play them out, um I think it will be because the offense decided it, it – or the offense didn't play well, I should say. Um, it's it's really, to this point, um, the last four or five weekends, the pitching staff is kind of what we thought they would be before the year. It is on this offense at this point to figure it out and get this team into the postseason. Yeah, here's a good way – here's an interesting way to look at it. Which side do you trust more? Like, just performance-wise, who's oh God. more better, more consistently? Do you trust the Ole Miss pitching staff – I would say most notably the starting pitching or this offense. Because even – I mean, this weekend probably makes staff. a little bit more of a conversation because of the way Ole Miss hit. But, like, I'm leading pitching staff still every day of the week, which is kind of bizarre to say. But now, is, it, is some of it just the way we think of it? Like, 
this pitching staff has been better than what we thought it was, and this offense has been worse than what we thought it was. They, you know, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be the pitching staff, but I can't get I, I the last two games of Arkansas out of my head in terms of the late, late situation. You know what I mean? Like, it's just in sheer terms of hey. give the job done, get 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 the job done, and give you a chance to win. I'm citing pitching staff just from that simplistic viewpoint. Well, and here's what sucks about this offense, right? Is like because I just pulled this up. They're now in SEC play. They're hitting 254 with a 795 OPS, which is not atrocious. But it's two things: one, this offense returned everybody, and that that should not be where they're at. And two, like the OPS and batting average and on base percentage and slugging percentage doesn't just hasn't told the entire story with this offense. And and I'm a biggest stats nerd as anybody, but. If you look at this offense and think it's been anything but abysmal at times this year, I, I, I just I, I disagree. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting with this offense just from a statistical performance. They're not awful, but it it just they don't get the job done on a consistent basis until this weekend. And and you hope that this was a springboard for something. No, you're right. I mean, the story it doesn't tell is the seven men combined on base with no outs in the final three innings of the game two against Arkansas and scoring one run, right? Like that doesn't, it doesn't, those. Or, or a 249 to 92 um, strikeout to walk, right? Good God. Uh, it's actually gotten better though, hasn't it? That, I mean, it was worse. I mean, it, it couldn't have gotten worse. Yeah, no, it was, it was earlier in the year. It was, it was certainly, uh, certainly worse, but you're right. And so that's the, that's kind of the it's, – it's certainly a flawed team, but that's the fascinating dynamic as we head in this postseason because it feels like the pitching staff – again, they're not world beaters by any means, but it's real. And, like, if the offense can kind of become what you thought it was, albeit super late in the season, then maybe they do have a shot. I don't think they'll make it through a regional. I don't even know if I'd wager on them getting to one at this point, but at least it no. gives them a chance. And I think that's what this weekend was about. Not to gloss over the fact – to uh, technically, from your stat standpoint, about them in games that they were trailing, they technically trailed in the first inning of the second game as well. They answered it immediately, <laughs> got two more in the fourth, two more in the fifth. So, like, back-to-back come-from-behind victories for the Rebels, if you will. <laughs> Ready to fight back. No, good for them. Um, no, if you're talking about betting on if, if they'd make a regional, I don't think I'd be willing to do that yet. Um, but I will say, obviously um, – a lot more optimistic that they'll make a regional than I was when they left Fayetteville, Arkansas a week ago. Um, what is your impression of Elliott, by the way? I, that's what I wanted to get to next. Um, yeah, he's good. Dude, he's, I mean, he's he, going to be really good. He, I believe, he gave up the two hits in the first inning, a double and a single. He allows the run. I think he scattered two hits throughout the rest of the game. I think he basically went – what would that be? Five and two thirds. I guess he got the out. Yeah, the ground out to start the game. Five and two thirds of two hit shutout baseball from then on. You know, swing and miss stuff has been great. Just I'm just curious what you've seen from him in the last month. I feel like because he's had some bad luck and the defense has let him down a bit, we haven't talked about how well he's pitched. This is a true freshman being a Saturday guy and becoming a pretty good one for Ole Miss. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, no, it's been good. He's been good. And, and, and I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, Saw the the stringy hair and the left hander and starting on Saturday and thought they were, he was going to be exactly like somebody else as a freshman. You know, there, there's only one Doug Nikhazy. Um, but no, the, the, he's he's followed the normal freshman progression and, and I think he's going to be a star before he leaves Ole Miss. He's got good, really good fastball. He tunnels his pitches very well. I, I think he's going to be extremely, extremely uh, solid. Um, 
as his career at Ole Miss moves on, it's good to see some flash because there were times this year where he was struggling and um, didn't pitch overly well, but the last two weekends have certainly been encouraging for him. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, as we try to morph all of these storylines into, you know, this kind of potential big picture that's still, I would say, a little far-fetched, but somewhat realistic down the road. Look, if Delusia is, you know, this outing aside, that the version of Delusia that we've come to know over the last five, six weeks of the season, right? I mean, they entered this weekend with seven SEC wins, and he put the team on his back for four of them. If you kind of catch this version of Delusia and then Hunter Elliott kind of you know how they, the announcers love to say, particularly in the postseason, you're like 60 games into a year, like, well, these guys aren't really freshmen anymore, like the kind of cliche that drives you nuts. If you do, in a more literal sense, if you catch Hunter Elliott, you know, kind of starting to figure it out and kind of coming into his own and graduating beyond of what you would expect from a freshman, that with Derek Diamond on a short lease, some Ole Miss teams have entered, with, entered regionals with worse three-man rotations than that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Which is oh, yeah, the, awesome. Like, think about that. Like, th- think about saying that out loud in March. Like, that's that's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, no, look, I, it, it's why. So, I, I texted a buddy this this morning um, when I saw the Knicks such that it's it's why I want this team to make a regional, right? Because like, there's been Ole Miss teams, 2017, for example. Had that team gotten in, what the hell were they going to do in a regional? Nothing. If this team gets in, right, you're at least like, well, there's a path. And look, good. I, I think the biggest the, the biggest thing is is this team can get in because I'm gonna tell you this right now. If they can get in, and they, I'll, I keep saying this because I think this is where they'll go. If they get in and they go to Hattiesburg, I promise you, Southern Miss doesn't want to see them. Like like they, Southern may very well win that regional, but I promise you, they wouldn't want to see them. In, in in that in that bracket. So that's that's why I want this team to get in so badly. You know, we can talk about the long-term future of the program and the health of the program and whatever, but I want this specific team in a regional because if this team ever turned into what it was supposed to be, it would be hell on wheels. Do I think that's going to happen? I really probably don't, but I would at least like them to have the opportunity for it to happen. And it's made – really, is. it's a frustrating team in a very, very strange year. Um. I mean, we did the Mike Bianco like nail in the coffin podcast two weeks ago. We like spent the last two weeks, it. Yeah, just spent the last two weeks, you know, kind of cementing the fact that look, this team is trying. They're just a bad baseball team to now talking about their path and what that might look like should they get in one. It's a it's a very confounding well, team. It's made for a, a, a weird year. So so on that, um, this is kind of. Look, I don't know if this team's going to make a regional. If, if I had to bet today, I would probably say no. But I think this team finishes with at least 13 wins. I do. I think they win one of these next two series and win a game in the other one. Um, and they finish at least 13 and 17. And you you look at Mike Bianco's tenure over 22 years. And look, this is not me saying, hey, Ole Miss needs to keep Mike Bianco. But it does say, like, he is what he is. He doesn't let things blow up, right? Because I thought at one point when they left uh, – Oxford after Mississippi State beat them and they were seven and fourteen, or excuse me, six and twelve. I'm like, this this is going to be a ten and twenty team, right? Um, this is not going to be a ten and twenty team. They're not just going to lose six straight. I can promise you that. Um, so it kind of just fits into what he is as a coach. He's just it's not going to be a colossal blow up um, unless this goes extremely extremely poorly over the next six games. 
it's a good point. It's like all in spite of it, it looking as bad as it has at time at times, but I do agree with you and kind of centering it back to this weekend a little bit. So uh, Hunter Elliott was great. They survived some first inning trouble again, and then they respond and they really take control of the game in the middle innings, which is what they had, uh, what they had really, really struggled to do in game twos. I don't, what, what was their record in SEC game twos? Were they winless? That is that correct? Or is I, it think that, I think that's accurate. I don't know. I could figure it up. Um, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then Alabama. Yeah, I think they were winless. Wow, that is uh, that is some impressive stuff. Yeah, 0-7 before this weekend. I was about to say, yeah, they didn't win the Auburn uh, game, too, either. Nope. They lost that one 19-5. And, like, in the last – particularly in the last month or so, that's been the problem is they can't – they haven't been able to take control offensively. And I think that was really the storyline this weekend. This offense scored 25 runs – and only hit three home runs. And two of them came from Kevin Graham today. And not to discount it to make the stats sound better, but, like, definitely the second one he hit, the game was already completely decided. Ole Miss was well in control after the first one. But even beyond that, I believe, if I have this correct, they were 11 for 33 on the weekend with men in scoring position. Yeah. Men on base, they were – I'm doing some terrible math out loud. Let's go. 7 to 20 twice, so that would be 14 of 40. And that, there's no uh-huh. way that's 4 of 4. That would be 4 of 14. Yeah, sorry. I, I can't read my own handwriting, which is a shock to no one that knows me. But that would be 20 – no, excuse me, uh, 18 of 54 with runners on base. That Yeah, I think I have that right. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, your point being, that's a 330 average with runners in scoring position on the weekend. They moved the ball well. It wasn't just long ball. They hit the ball in the gaps. They were three for four in the Saturday game with men on third with uh, less than two outs. Like the situational hitting actually looked competent for the first time in a really long while. Yeah, no, it's in, and that was, that was good to see. Um, this team had not been able to get, as Mike Bianco says, the hit. Um, you know, that the, the kind of breaks the ice or whatever. Um, and, and credit to them this weekend, they were able to get it. That's, that's the thing that you hope carries over, right? Like this team was obviously from an offensive perspective pressing. Um, and, and hopefully they'll go and go to Baton Rouge with, with some confidence from this weekend because it, 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 it was a good offensive weekend. It's the best offensive weekend they've had against a, a decent – and I don't know if Missouri should even be called decent – um, but an SEC opponent. Um, and, look, obviously the, the pitching staff for the Tigers will resemble uh, nothing of like the LSU Tigers. But you just at least hope that offense with players that have produced in this league before um, takes that and builds on it with some confidence going down to Baton Rouge. Absolutely. Kevin Graham kind of looked like Kevin Graham again for the first time. I thought yeah, that was good. He was a couple of decent at-bats against Arkansas as well. He wasn't bad by any stretch. But uh, I just thought he kind of looked like himself again. And what, that's – is that three or four weekends right off the injury? I can't remember. But I just didn't think it's when he – as soon as he came back from the wrist injury, I think that was Alabama weekend. It was Alabama, yeah. Immediately like himself. And then Kemp Alderman. I know there was a rough stretch in there for about four weeks. But, man, his progression and his, his – the way he's mitigated – I don't have numbers to back this up, mostly because they just aren't available to me. But the way – to me, he's kind of mitigated some of the swing and miss stuff. He has more – on a team that's not known for necessarily always having great at-bats, he has a lot more of them more consistently than other guys I can remember just eye test-wise watching them. I thought he was really good again this weekend. And, man, when he catches one, he hits the ball hard. And it's not even just driving it over the fence. He hits some doubles that it looked like the ball is going to put a hole in the aluminum out there in the wall. Um, 
I guess I say all of that to say the guys that are supposed to be kind of the core of this lineup look better. And then you got, you know, Peyton Chatagnier had a hit in every game. He had a big home run on Friday. I think he had a two-hit game in game two. You know, the the dead weight didn't feel as dead this weekend on top of all of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it felt deeper one through nine. Um, you now, for me to believe this offense has found something, I'll have to see it next weekend. But it was good to see, for sure. Um, it's it's just unfortunate. They really can't – look, there's the everyday guys, right? The the Elko, the um, Chatagnier, the Bench, the Gonzalez, and Graham and, and Dunhurst. But it just kind of feels like they can't figure out the next three and, and nobody's – and Alderman, too, but they're the next two. They can't find somebody to kind of take the reins of that. It, you know, they're, they're obviously looking Hayden Leatherwood and Calvin Harris and, um, you know, Ben Van Cleve to an extent. And, and they, they've got to find those two guys that can make that lineup a little bit longer. Yeah, I think that's a it's an interesting point you hit at. I mean, you're exactly right. Like that, that would take it from a, okay, this lineup's competent, but to kind of more of what you'd be accustomed to seeing. I mean, look. TJ McCants has kind of gone through a lot this year and he's not having, yeah. like, that's a candidate, right? Like that's when you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, well, what's different about this offense last year? And we've been through this exercise before. It's a couple of those guys. It's the McCants. And if you can just get one more of them to, I don't know, kind of find it a little bit for the lack of a better word or lack of a better phrase, then you really kind of have something. I'd like to see it again as well. Um, I would definitely also like to see it again over what is going to be a crucial four game week. But, you know, even on top of that, staying on the offense, they won the two games today, and, you know, they win their first series at home and, like, their first series win in general in a month. But from a sheer postseason chances standpoint, they really needed to. I guess I can't necessarily say have to or must, but they really needed to get that third win today and sure. go down the door and, like, blow the game open early in that game the way they did and kind of remove all doubt was also something we haven't seen from these guys all year. Yeah, no, it was uh... – Felt like maybe a little sense of urgency, which which they needed to play with, obviously. Um, no, the, t- today was critical, and and credit to them for getting it done. Um, look, this Missouri team that has won some series this year, they beat Mississippi State last weekend. Um, they beat Kentucky in a series. You know, it's it's not an awful team. So if you don't show up and play, it's it's you know possible that you get beat. And credit to Ole Miss for showing up and and doing what they had to do to get out of there with a victory. Uh, because, like you said, that, that game, man, look, it's a numbers game at this point. And I know it wasn't the numbers game that, that, that Ole Miss fans like myself think. But is what it is when you're talking about the postseason. It's, it's, you know, how many wins to get into the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, it's not how many wins to be a national seed. That's the conversation we expected to have. But uh, the reality is that's where you're at. And, and, and credit to Ole Miss for getting that because every game is critical at this point. Um, you know, it's unfortunately the SEC, when you play in this league and you have the RPI opportunities that you do have, what comes along with that is you have to produce a solid SEC record. Um, and, and Ole Miss uh, to this point hasn't done that. And, and so every game at this juncture is pretty critical. Yep, you're right about that. And even just going more deep into it on, on the, for the Sunday game, they played two in the first. You get Diamond and zero. I mean, getting Diamond, Derek Diamond, cushion and run support is uh, certainly and kind of rewarding him for not blowing up and getting out is certainly something that clearly works in his favor from a confidence standpoint because he kind of looks like a different pitcher. I guess it is easy to pitch when you have a 6 nothing lead. Sure. But they worked a lot of at-bats. I mean, I can't remember. I think it was maybe the third inning, and that was the inning they got three and really blew the game open. You had a McKinch single to center field to lead off the inning that I swear, I think that a bat was 13 or 14 pitches. 
And like, that's just the kind of stuff you haven't seen from them. I think it, like it was a Leatherwood H, uh, HBP after that, then Chatigny drew a walk. And then you're really starting to put pressure on him. You had a really nice uh, at bat from Dunhurst to where it was like, yeah, the guy walked in a run, but they really made the guy work. I mean, you're 14 pitches, HBP, seven pitch walk, eight pitch walk to where I believe Dunhurst was down. No, it was two, two, I think at one point and he walked it back, but just like them taxing pitchers is not something they've done. And look, it didn't work out. They didn't get the beginning. You got two sack flies out of it after they walked in the run. Honestly, the fact that they're putting ball in play. If you asked me last time, when's the last time the Ole Miss got a sack fly? I can now point to two, the third inning of the Sunday game against Missouri. But, like, they're up 6-0 at that point. And, you know, you've seen Diamond really kind of have it go sideways quick. And so while I felt good about Ole Miss's chances at 6 to nothing in the bottom of the third inning, them really, really pecking away at Landry, or I guess it was Morosis or whatever the, the right-hander's name was. I don't think Landry actually came out back for the third but really hammering the making that guy work to blow the game open with that three-run third, I thought was kind of something we haven't seen with this offense really at all this year, at least not since SEC plays. So, so the thing about that is, look, um, you, you did what you had to do to make Missouri lay down, right? Because, look, this is a team in Missouri that is not going to make this, the NCAA tournament at this point. They're probably not going to make the SEC tournament. Um, that it lost two games this weekend. And, you know, once you go down after and, and you're in the situation there and there's not a whole lot of fight back and, and credit to Ole Miss for jumping on them and then having really, really good offensive approaches and, and making Missouri and kind of be like, let's get the hell out of here and get back to Columbia. Um, because that's what it looked like, frankly, um, from an offensive standpoint, the rest of the day for Missouri. So, no, credit to Ole Miss for that. The, the, like we said, every game is critical at this point if you're wanting to get, wanting to, get to the postseason and, um, Ole Miss certainly did what they had to do to, to make that a possibility again, whereas a week ago I, I didn't really think it was much of a possibility. Yeah, and do you think Missouri knows they have two weekends left? Or do you think they're yeah, backed think, up with equipment? Uh, <laughs> do you, think you don't think? Because <laughs> it did look like towards the end they didn't necessarily want to be out there, but do you think they're aware that they do have to do this two more times, like they're, they're two more bus trips scheduled? You know, what if you yell COVID? What if you have COVID? You may, you may not have to. I didn't. That's the excuse. It's a great point. Um, yeah. I mean, look, they could, they could find a way out of this. You're right. I mean, <laughs> on a more serious note, they kind of beat the life out of them. And that's a killer instinct type deal that Ole Miss just simply hasn't had. I know I've said that like seven times in this podcast already. But, like, if you're trying to mine through what's real and what's not, given the inferior opponent, that's the kind of stuff that I think is real, is kind of grabbing the game in the series by the balls when you need three. I mean, they scored eight. They scored a run in each of the first four innings. We're up eight to nothing before it felt like uh, Missouri could take a breath. And, you know, boom, they, they'd secured a sweep uh, pretty early on in that game. Uh, pretty early on in that game. And like I said earlier, kind of removed all doubt. And I thought that was a sign we hadn't had in a while. And then just them moving the baseball, the situational hitting. I read out the numbers earlier. They were a good team with runners in scoring position this weekend. They were a competent team. With guys on base, they move the ball. I don't know what their strikeout – we talk about their strikeout-to-walk ratio. I don't know what it was in this game. I mean, in this series, they struck out five times on Sunday and walked three times. They struck out nine times on Saturday and only walked once. That's not what you want to see. Uh, that actually doesn't make a ton of sense with how that game worked, but, you know, whatever. And then struck out ten and walked four. So, I guess it's still not great. That one didn't necessarily hold up. But they moved the baseball a lot better – and, again, when sure. you're trying to find stuff, what's real and what's not, 
that's certainly an uh, encouraging sign and the fact that, you know, you're getting it from other guys as well. You're getting it from the guys that you knew you would, but, you you know, you got a decent weekend from Chatagnier. Um, and a couple other guys had good at-bats in there. So it, it feels like a gigantic we'll see with this offense because, I mean, for a while it felt like it didn't matter who they were up against. They were going to squander chances with runners in scoring position, just dare them. Yeah, no, it wasn't like, look, they played a lot uh, worse teams in Missouri this year. And, uh, you know, I saw saw teams that, you know, they, they didn't perform well in those situations, uh, mainly, you know, Oral Roberts in southeast Missouri. Um, so, I don't know. It's Look, we'll see what it is. I, I don't want to put too much on the one weekend. The postseason chances are certainly more alive than they were a week ago. Um, let's see how this weekend goes. Make sure, you know, if you're Ole Miss, you got to win two this week. Um, two out of four when we talk about Southern, when we talk about LSU, you need to win two. If anything less than two, and it's kind of dire again. If you can win two and, you know, you get to get to A&M um, at 11 and uh, what would that be, 16, and then you got to win that series. If you can get to 13 and 17, you got a shot, right? You go win two in Hoover, that's 16 SEC wins. You probably feel pretty good, probably should feel pretty good. Um, but but we got to see it another weekend. That, that that's that's where I'm at with this team right now. I, I it's it's kind of hard for me to to buy in after just one weekend in Missouri. So if if you're Ole Miss, just you got to make sure that that what Trent what you did this weekend translates next week, and and, and you're able to at least win two games to, uh, away from home. Yeah, I'm right in the same wavelength as you are. It's like okay, good. Like I mean, I didn't think they'd sweep this series. I like I at no. the top of the show, I didn't think they would necessarily win this series and so the fact that they sweep it gave them a puncher's chance it gave them a kind of we'll see moment I guess they gave them a chance to kind of prove it and I hate to go down this path again because I feel like we do it every week but like as I keep pointing out it didn't have to be this way as they sit here at 10 and 14 in the league I mean you think of the missed opportunities in against state in those final two games you think sure. of somehow inexplicably not how different is this combo at 12 and 12 yeah the, yeah exactly and that I mean at twelve, even at twelve and twelve, look, I'm at not twelve and twelve. You're still talking about hosting. Yes, you, you got to do exactly. some work. And with the way the team had performed, I wouldn't bank on their chances. But that's the conversation sure. we're having today. I mean, look, I mean they not inexplicably not winning that game two or really even game three against Arkansas that could have turned their season around. Really, just can you salvage one against Alabama and uh, Tennessee at home? And I know that's a bunch of ifs, ands, or buts, or what ifs. But I guess what I'm getting at is like. There's a world where this team could have been 13 and 11 and us be debating whether they're actually good, but still have everything to play for. <laughs> and instead, they're 10 and 14 with no margin for error, entered the weekend 7 and 14. I don't really have a larger point with that. I just like to keep pointing out that, you know, as bad as this team's been, as bad as it looked, it didn't really have to be this way. Like, if you just find a way to win two of the other games, I mean, hell. Yeah. Three of those examples are in your own ballpark. Five of them, if you're talking about individual yeah. games, but I'm talking about. Well, I mean, and you didn't even mention the one where you hit the back-to-back to back home runs to get up on Mississippi State, and you squander that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm counting either one of those state games. I'm really counting yeah. any of the final two games after Delusia each of the last three weekends. Last three weekends, South Carolina, yeah. right? Yeah, just went two of those, and, and you know, go two and four instead of zero oh and six. And it's like, well, twelve and twelve sucks. You're probably going to go on the road for a regional. Everybody's pissed off, and you better win that regional. But at least I'm not like, well, you know, you better go win a series in Baton Rouge if you want to make the postseason. Um, and I don't think you necessarily have to win the series in Baton Rouge, but still, I mean, it's 
you put yourself in a dire situation because you just didn't get things done early in the season. It's kind of like the college kid that skipped class uh, for the first two months and maybe accidentally forgot a test, um, and now he has zero on the test. Um, you, you're going to have to do some – look, this weekend's good, and I'm glad you met an A on this test, but you're going to have to figure out a way to do some work over the next two weekends. You want to get a, get a C out of this. This guy kind of feels applicable because, like, everybody expected an A, and now the best-case scenario is the C, and by God, you better do some work to get it the next two weeks. Yep. No, you're exactly right. I think that's a great way to put it. It's like, <laughs> it's like the kid that I don't even know to use like the finals example. I'm sure we have some recent college grads listening to this podcast. Congrats to you. If you did, I hope you made it out of the uh, graduation parking weekend traffic. Oh my God. It was, it was I, my sister graduated today. It was seven shades of miserable on that campus. Well, I told the story on the Friday podcast. Um, you know, when I graduated, I graduated out of the tad pad. Um, and mm-hmm. they just thought, you know, you have the different graduation ceremonies, right? You have one at 12, mm-hmm. one at three or whatever. They thought no security guard, no exit plan was needed. They were going to let, you know, what, a couple thousand people come out at the same time a couple thousand people are coming in. And That's on, good. On a two-lane road off six by the law school. But, you know, I mean, that doesn't seem like any need for a traffic well, or a system. So, so I told the story. I moved seven inches out of my parking space, then sat there for two hours Finally got to a point where I could pull it off a curb next to a tree and just ditch the car. I walked to six and one of my parents picked me up and I got it the next day. I literally didn't move for two and a half hours. <laughs> my graduation, I guess it was in 2016, I graduated in the Ford Center and they thought it would be a genius idea to get all the journalism students and try to get us who are all hungover at this point and, and it's 98 degrees outside and try to line us up in alphabetical order outside the Ford Center and nobody knew anybody's names. It was the most spectacular thing I have ever seen. Oh, God. That's, uh, that sounds like absolute nightmare fuel. But <laughs> I guess to continue on this reference of, like, the, the college kid, is it the – I don't even know what it is. Is it the GPA needed to graduate? I guess, I guess that doesn't really affect yeah. me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't just failing a class, right? <laughs> this is this – is, they just feel you know, this just made a B-plus or an A – to give them on the final test to give them a chance before the final. How about that? You get a drop test. You can't afford to bomb the third test before the final. They just made the 85 to give them a shot at the final is basically what they did. I've been there a time or two. So maybe that, uh, maybe that equation or that reference, I should say, is, uh, is apt. But they do have the chance. And, you know, at Baton Rouge is not a place Ole Miss has had a lot of success. But it's really a four-game week. I think that's an important way to look at it. From an RPI standpoint, like you said, they sit at 56. They go down to Hattiesburg to play Southern Miss like they always do. But Southern Miss, number six in the country, I don't know what their RPI is. I should have looked that up before we got into it. Like 13 or so, I think. Yeah, it's good. And Ole Miss needs, like, you know, when you're talking about – let's just get into that part of it now, what they need to do the rest of the way. Sure. And the spreadsheet you have up, the conversation we kind of got into um, earlier at the beginning of the show – what they need to do. Let's start with the Southern Miss game because, in a way, that becomes somewhat critical because at 14 and 16, that would be 15 and 16, including the Governor's Cup. I think you feel pretty good to okay about your chances. Yeah, you probably don't sleep Sunday night. No, but they're probably fine. I'd have, I mean, I'd like to see what the bubble and everything looks like at that point and where their sure. RPI is. But point being, talking about where their RPI is, this Southern Miss game matters a lot from that. I mean, if you don't get to that 16th win, like you said, if you just get it 15, am I crazy to think this Southern Miss could really be, I don't want to say the swing, but could really swing the pendulum sure. in the direction in your favor? Or no, no, 
that's a really good point because what the Southern Miss game is going to do. Um, look, I, a lot of people are talking about it. I even fell for this today when I was talking to someone. Everybody's talking about, oh, they only have three top 50 wins. And I'm like, yes, but if they win the number of games that they're supposed to to get into the NCAA tournament, that's it's, it's fine. Um, but what this Southern Miss game does, right, this game is in Hattiesburg. <clears throat> this game's against the number 15 RPI. Your RPI is not great right now, right? Win on Tuesday night and see what happens. You'll go up five or six spots. Um, and then, you know, hey, you're 51. You get to 15 SEC wins. All of a sudden, you're 44. You got a shot, right? Um, you know, the, the magic number, I think, for this team is 16 because I don't think that 16, there's any way they get left out considering where their RPI is and what their RPI will be with 16 SEC wins. And, again, I'm not talking about just in the regular season. They have 11 now when you include Mississippi State for the Governor's Cup. Um, I think they have to win five more, including um, the SEC tournament, to feel 100% safe and in. Um, but, no, the, the Southern Miss game is critical just from an RPI standpoint and, and, and that type of thing because the, the, you're right. With the 15th win, um, if you have the Southern Miss win, it's going to put your RPI in a lot better shape than what it would be if you don't have it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what kind of – you mentioned win on Tuesday and see where you go. It gets down to 50. Maybe – I mean, if you do take two, which is kind of what you need to do, maybe you get down in the 40s. Then all of a sudden, I mean, if you get in that, what, to feel good just from a strictly an RPI standpoint, I mean, mid-30s, they're fine, don't you think? Yes. they If they figure out a way to get to mid-30s um, and 15 SEC wins, they will be in the NCAA tournament. I think so, too. And that's what makes that one so, so monumental. Uh, just before we get to the other part of it, in a game you really need to win, is this a Drew McDaniel game? What do you do? Oh, boy. Um, Jack Washburn? How did Drew pitch last week? I'm trying to think. Who did they – did they play a midweek game last week? No, they didn't because it was finals week. Um, McDaniel was okay in his last outing, if I remember. I mean, if his last outing was the Governor's Cup, then he was okay. Yeah. I think I'd go with McDaniel then. Yeah, his last outing was the Governor's Cup, and that's a good way to put it. He was okay. Um, and, you know, hey, look, maybe maybe he's got a little extra motivation because of what Southern Miss did to him the last time he faced him. I don't know if people remember that. I wish I didn't. Um, but, you know, it's maybe he's got a little extra motivation for that. So, yeah, I think I'd go McDaniel. And to frame this in a uh, in in a more I, I don't know if, if I did a great job of painting the whole picture with regard to the Southern Miss game. It's not going to kill them if they lose it. It's no, not no, no, no. Hurt them. It's an opportunity to to I don't want to say cheat five spots, but if you're looking at it strictly from an RBI standpoint, there at 56, it's not really going to go down hardly at all if they lose, right? I mean, that Southern Miss is number 13. No. It's not going to affect them much. It's a chance to kind of skip ahead five spots. Like, if you're really trying to focus on getting that thing below 40 and in the mid-30s, this is a chance to leapfrog it. Now, it's a tough test, right? Southern Miss is really, really good. It's in their ballpark. But I guess I'll point out, like, it's not a, a must-win. And I didn't mean to ask, like, who do you start in a game you have to win type of situation. I was just curious because it's an important one from the point – from how it could benefit them, I guess. I was just curious who you'd start. But I just wanted to make that clear. Like, it, it's not something that's going to kill them if they lose. No, 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 no. Um, for sure. It's, 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 look, it's a game that can really, really help your RPI when you're talking about that 15-win mark. That's what this is. Um, if you don't have it, you probably want to get to that 16-win mark. Um, but, no, it's, it's not a must-win for sure. Look, the, Ole Miss has to win games, um, but one, one loss on, on, a, on a Wednesday in Hattiesburg is not going to be the end of the world for them either. 
So what do you think they do next week? They need to go two and four – or excuse me, two and two. Two and two. Four would be impossible. That would be a lot of games. Um, <laughs> two and two. Two out of four I think is what I was thinking of. What do you think they do? How much does this weekend sway your opinion? This is kind of – I don't want to say the ultimate answer, but like how much of this is Missouri? How much do you think is Ole Miss figuring out? What do you think they do? I think they win uh, Wednesday in Hattiesburg, and I think they win one in Baton Rouge. That's that's think that's what I'm going to go with. I look this team's won one series in Baton Rouge, and that was a really really good team um, two three years ago. Um, I, I have a hard time projecting them to to go to bat to Baton Rouge, a team that's on track to host a regional. Um, and predict him to win the series. I think they figure out a way to get that game in Hattiesburg. I do. Um, and then I think they either win the Friday or Saturday game, and, and you come back to Oxford with, uh, what, 11 SEC wins and, and a chance, right? Um, and you'd obviously have to win that series against Texas A&M, but, but I think you, you have that opportunity. But uh, I, can't, I can't project they win the series in Baton Rouge. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but, but I do think they figure out a way to get, get two wins this week. I think so, too, and I don't know if I can go all the way to – honestly, like, if they get to the second win, it honestly almost – I don't want to say it seems more realistic that they would win two in Baton Rouge. Just that Southern Miss game in Southern – at Southern is always a tough one for them, and this is a uh, – this is a really, really good – It's a hellacious Southern game. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, you saw the seeds of it last year in the regional, right, with the way they hit. They fixed some things – not fixed some things. Got better in the transfer portal, and then, boom, now you get what you have this year I think they go two and two as well we'll have more time to get into uh like what specifically they do this week but you know it gives them uh like we keep saying it gave them a chance and with regard to LSU you talk about only winning one series there since 1980 whatever I was down there when they did it in 19 that actually took one of the craziest baseball games I've ever seen in my life for them to win that that game almost killed me that was the Parker Caracy ninth inning what did he give up up back to back to back I can't remember, was it three or four home runs? And I think they all came – Actually, I'm going to pull this up because it was the most – I I almost fell out watching this. I have never – I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Really, I'd never seen anything like it before, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen – How Ole Miss won that game is beyond me after they blew it like they did. And that was a team that had slept walked through parts of the year. Remember, it was – yeah, it was was something. Okay, so – yeah, bottom six of the runs in the ninth. Ole Miss is up fifteen to nine. Caracy. Yep. Uh, no, sorry, it was Austin Miller. Austin Miller started the inning. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Miller was in the pen, wasn't he? Because he came in to get the last out. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Sorry, yeah, I read backward. I'm dyslexic. Austin Miller to pitch for. I knew that wasn't right because I knew Caracy yeah. did that. So fly out. Ground out. Oh my God, he got the first two outs. I forgot that. Yeah, no, no, that was what I was the same part. I was down. I had to go back upstairs. I was on the third base side trying to beat the traffic, not to beat the traffic, but beat the foot traffic to get on the field to talk to Mike. And I had to walk back upstairs because it became 15 to 15. I was like, so he gets the first two outs. Uh, Garza single, Broussard single, wild pitch now at second and third. Watson single. So it's 15-10. It's like, okay, like you're like two, three batters, I mean, two, three base runners away from this getting weird. Duplantis hits a three-run bomb over the fence, 15 And then I'm like, okay, get, get it out. Yeah. I, I remember at this point. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm done, guys. 
Cade Beloso hit one that hasn't landed yet into the right field seating, if I remember that correctly. And then Josh Smith, 15 to 15. And so he gives up back to back to back home runs to where in three batters Ole Miss went from up 15 to 10 to tra- uh, to it being tied 15 all. And then I believe you had a uh, – it was Dugas who flied out to right after that. I have the play-by-play up now. But uh, yeah. I believe that ball had some track power. I thought they might have won – if I remember correctly, I thought LSU might have won the game on that. I'd never seen anything like that. Um, but quite the uh, – that was just a complete – John, you remember – without don't scroll down. Do you remember who had the big hit to put on his head in the tent? I do, and I don't even have to scroll down. It was one Josh Hall, was it not? It was Joshua Hall. It was yeah. – because we talked to him after the game and like he had this big grin on his face and like he was it was one of those things when we were talking to him it was like this kid doesn't realize the scar tissue and everything that just went into this like this kid doesn't realize what he's done like he's like oh sweet we pulled that one out he does not realize the streak everything I mean I'm sure I remember them saying they had talked about the streak and all that but that's an 18 year old Josh Hall having no idea of what like I would say an Ole Miss fans experience a baseball series in Baton Rouge that he did not know the moment which almost made it better so what you had a uh now I have the play-by-play I'm cheating now but it was Cooper Johnson Kevin Graham double Josh Hall that's yeah. right 17-15 they added two more uh Josh Hall hit that one right back up the middle but yeah I, how could you forget that one that's uh is all Josh Hall still at Auburn he is he is he actually uh actually saw him play against LSU the other night and actually got hurt uh well I said the other night it was like four weeks ago but yeah he is definitely still at Auburn Okay, good for him. Uh, that was the that was the recruit they had. He was the stolen base guy, right? Stolen base guy, yeah. But he, he had, had like, like the numbers in, in high school. You remember? He had he set like the national record at his high school in Alabama or something. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I mean, that like him and like Billy Hamilton were the two that I remember. Where it's like this guy steals every time he gets on base. He's still second, and then he steals third. Anyway, uh, I, that was a. I uh, tried to throw out Billy Hamilton once. It did not go well. You did. Yeah, I tried. He was standing on second base before I stood up. Oh, yeah, no, I, I could see how that was. You know, I remember him coming up through the red system, and then I was actually there interning in 18. That team was terrible. I fired their manager by the time I got there, but Billy was in the clubhouse. And, like, I was trying to – I won't say make friends, but I was trying to, like, I guess get to know a couple people in the clubhouse. And uh, I just, like, walked up to Billy, and I was like – it was the most awkward, like, fumbling thing a 22-year-old could have possibly done. I literally just went up and said – Hi, I'm from Mississippi. Like, <laughs> Hi, Mississippi. I was, I was like, that didn't come out like I was supposed to come out. Now, granted, his vo- his locker's next to Joey Votto's, and so I'm half worried that he's going to turn a bath the wrong way and kill me at that point. But I was like, this didn't come out like I was supposed to. And I was like, so you about to, like, tell me to, like, F off or whatever? What's about to happen here? And then he just, like, smiled and, like, gave me some knucks and was like, oh, really, what part? And, like, we shot the shit for a bit, and it was fine. But there was a moment there where I was like, this is – this is not going well for your boy. Nice guy, though. <laughs> it's too bad Billy couldn't steal first base. Yeah, it's a, that is very true. That's the story. But, damn, he was a wonder to watch in the outfield. I mean, he was really – Yeah, really he could go. That dude could absolutely go. Him and Jared Hughes were the two nicest guys I met up there. Jared Hughes probably, if you punched him in the face, he'd probably thank you. Um, really nice dude. Not that great of a pitcher, but <laughs> – Thank you for your time. Yeah, he was the dude. Remember, he was the one that sprint. That he's that he now has that viral. Oh uh, yeah, of real Muto. He's the one that sprints out of the dugout every time. Or excuse me, uh, okay, okay. So yeah, the real Muto face will never not be funny. Yeah, <laughs> he's a it's big like, goofy oh dude too. So I'm sure they were getting killed in that game. I'm sure real Muto was like, I got to deal with this guy. 
Um, but nice, nice dude. Anyway, that was uh, that was quite the tangent. But I'll put it to you this way: if we're talking about them getting two in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. them having Dylan Delusha gives them a chance. I mean, they had a great sure. to win at Arkansas, a better baseball team, in my opinion. And so the fact that you've got the guy, and now you feel pretty good about your guy on Saturday. Again, I don't necessarily love their chances, but I'm not going into it from a pitching standpoint like I was at times this year being like, well, how are they just going to get these guys out enough for them to have a chance, which I think is important, particularly in road series. you got a dude that's going to give you a chance in game one. If you capitalize on that, who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the perfect way to put it. You've got a dude that can give you a chance on Friday night and your Saturday guy is good enough, um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't think LSU particularly great on Sunday, so uh, maybe you can get into a slow fest. No, look, they have a shot. I'm not projecting them to win in Baton Rouge because I think that would be kind of, uh, I think it'd be kind of early to to buy back in on this team at this point. Um, but no, it, it, I've I've seen crazier things than this team winning a series in Baton Rouge. To to be clear, yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I don't think I've been fascinated by an old Miss series in over a month now. I mean, hell. Their last series win was what? That was late March, last week of March. It it's been quite yeah, a Kentucky. It's now May. I had, a, I had a buddy text me after they swept Missouri. Um and he was like, You know where this is headed, right? And I'm like, What? He's like, This is headed to them being up two oh in Hattiesburg, us driving down there and then them losing on Sunday and Monday night. Very uh college station <laughs> vibes, twenty twelve type of deal. This is exactly where that's headed. Uh, yeah, because only – I mean, everything is on the line this time. I remember 2012, it was like, is Mike ever going to get the job done here? Like, I, he wasn't getting canned after that year. But, yes, I mean, it, that that would be with a quite literally everything. A 10-year reunion. Yeah, and look, as bad as it is like, – I've talked about this with a couple of different people th- throughout the year. This team hasn't been an enjoyable watch. And, you know, I'm sure some people listen to that and hear that and say – you know, no shit, Sherlock. Like, they're they're losing. Why would that be an enjoyable watch? But there, Ole Miss has had some teams that weren't great. They were at least kind of interesting. Like, that 2015 oh. Frisky, right? Like, they played yeah. their butts off. They were fun to – I won't say fun to watch, but they were an interesting storyline, interesting watch. They weren't very good. As much as it's been, you know, aesthetically unappeasing or unappealing at times this year, to them to get in and just have a chance, it will be a fascinating storyline, particularly if it's like a Hattiesburg or something like that. If they can just get in. I'm not telling you I love or hate their chances to do really anything at all. I'm just – if they can get in, I'm just fascinated to see what that team at that current moment, whatever version of them is, is capable of. I just want to see it. And I don't sure. really know why because I haven't particularly enjoyed watching them either. Does that make any sense at all? Sir, what you're saying is you're ready to have the conversation about whether they should hold Dylan DeLucia from game two, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not really ready to have that conversation, but the answer to that question is yes. I think I mean, you're probably right. I mean, look. I the, think the answer is yes. But. I mean, I can't believe we're going this far down this road, but particularly if Hunter Elliott continues on the path that he's on, I think that yeah. is absolutely yes. So, yeah. I mean, my favorite part of, of last year was um, when, when Gunner went down, everybody like was like, hey, you got to hold Doug for game two. And everybody's like, yeah, but Mike won't do it. Well, Mike had decided to do that like three weeks earlier, and then they get the one team where it's like, oh, shit, can you actually do that? Yeah, I remember that because it was that kid from SEMO who 
I mean, to their credit, to the scouting report, Ole Miss put up seven runs on the guy, but by God, he was throwing 120 pitches and going <laughs> no matter what because they just didn't have The kid was good. Yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't bad at all. He was a good pitcher. I remember that, though, from the standpoint of weren't the – I remember us doing a podcast and looking back that, oh, Mike had planted the seeds of this happening for two weeks. I don't remember the details of it, but I do remember looking back in retrospect and being like, oh, actually, he was never going to do this. He was always going to hold. Yeah, and it's like, oh. Well, that's when I started realizing this guy's not maybe not the same dude he was three years ago, um, yeah. and and then he threw Taylor Broadway in Game Three of a Super Regional, and look, that didn't work out. But that's when I really really realized, okay, he's he's definitely involved at least some. Yeah, and to his credit, I mean, between that and nineteen, he he's definitely kind of proved he's evolved and changed in uh, more ways than one. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm fascinated to. Uh, to kind of see if they, they give themselves a chance. Because, again, like you said, if you just get into Hattiesburg or something like that, you know, who the hell knows? So the uh, unfortunate part for them is, is there's quite literally no margin for error aside from losing two baseball games the rest of the way if you want to feel good about it. Two conference games, that is, Southern Miss notwithstanding. So we'll see what it looks like this week. Let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference real quick. Oh, no, actually I missed an injury note here in my notes. Riley Maddox yeah. done the year with uh, Needs Tommy John. Really unfortunate break for the kid, but from the way Mike described it, I mean, anytime you hear forearm tightness, you're sitting there thinking, oh, God. Um, and so, I don't know, just from the way that sounded from the time the kid got hurt, I figured this was headed. I didn't think we'd see Riley Maddox again, but I figured we just covered it. It does suck for the kid. They did finally announce he would need Tommy John. Yeah, it was – look, I was there the night he, his last start – or, excuse me, last uh, last outing – and. He was 91, 92 after a kid that was 95, 96 early in the year. So you kind of knew something was up and he came off the mound with Josh Porter, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, it's a kid that almost believes will be in his in their rotation. And look, Tommy John's never fun, but uh, it's certainly not a death sentence anymore uh, from a baseball perspective. And, and I expect that he, he will be back at Ole Miss and be in their weekend rotation before too long. Um, I am with you on that one. I think that is uh, true as well. So hopefully a uh, quick recovery for Raleigh Maddox. All right, now let's take a look around the SEC. Sorry, I just had that written down. I was like, I forgot that we did not get to that. I don't think there's anything else injury-wise other than the fact that you did get Jack Washburn back this weekend. So uh, sure. that's great. Um, noted Packers fan, uh, Jack Washburn. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that, that was one of, still one of the wilder message board threads I've ever read in my life. Was, uh, I need to go back and read that. I was bored one day. I don't think I ever addressed this one on the pod. Did you see a couple weeks ago? I got some guy hook, line, and sinker on the uh, Lane Kiffin to JA news. I don't know if you saw this thread. I did see that. I did see that. He uh, he was very concerned that Lane was going to uh, going to join the. I have to ask. I have to ask. Lance Pogue leaves Jackson Academy for Heritage Academy. That's got to hurt a little bit, right? So, yeah, like, but, but what was the deal with that? So, like, I saw they agreed to part ways, and then three weeks later takes the Heritage gig where they just, like, the, the Heritage Patriots not want them to know that they stole their coach. I don't know what the deal was there, but it did open the door for Lane Kiffin. I honestly have nothing to report to the people out there. I have been told there's a – J.A. hired a coach? Uh, no, I think they're waiting on an answer from Kiffin. And I've heard that there's, <laughs> there's some small discrepancy in the pay – and also where Kiffin will live in Eastover. But I, I'm told they could work through it, but I think their plan B is in place should Kiffin say no. So I don't think they've hired a coach, at least not that I know of. This, this is so confusing. <laughs> but anyone who's tired of the uh, Jackson Academy jokes, uh, blame that guy for, uh, for, for filing them. I'm not stopping for at least another half decade now. I mean, that just made my entire 
two years worth of doing. That guy just asked literally on the board, what does the J job opening have to do with Lane Kiffin? So, oh man, I love the internet sometimes, rarely, but sometimes. All right, let's. Hey, J.A. is in the, uh, they're in the third round of the playoffs, so, so, or second round, excuse me. So good for them. They have the state. We actually had to play them this year. Right, Dakota uh, Jordan. Dakota Jordan. We walked him a lot. That was that was our strategy. It's like he's going to go to first. I do follow J.A. Athletic on Instagram. The, some of the clips they do put up of him is pretty absurd. He, uh, he looks really good. I can tell you that. He looks like a really good baseball player because he is. Will he show up to state? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I haven't followed it from a, you know, signability standpoint. But he, uh, man, I hope not because he, he looks like a million bucks. He plays like it too. He has your, he has your endorsement. He looks the part. Yeah, I would, I would like him to go pro. Okay. Um, let's take a look around the SEC here. Uh, Vanderbilt goes on the road and takes two or three from Georgia. Vanderbilt's not a very good team. Figuring it out. Any, yeah, any reservation they had about, I don't know, potentially sliding and missing the postseason, I think they pretty much called those their 12 and 12. That's a big road series win for the Doors there. Yeah, no, it is. Um, speaking of teams you don't want in your regional, they're one of them, right? Yes, you just never – They're just going to trot out – Yeah, they're going to trot out dudes that throw 96. Yes, in game three. They will have a dude in that third game if they make it that far that is <laughs> that is throwing 96. That's just – that is a postseason nightmare completely fueled by the inequality in the sport, no matter how bad Vanderbilt is. I'm with you on there. Uh, let's just get right to the other newsworthy thing in this state from this weekend. Florida, team that entered 8-13 and 13 on the brinks, really underachieved. Boy, did they get a shot in the arm. They go to Starkville and basically – not basically. They ended Mississippi State season. They swept, They're gone. They swept in pretty dominating fashion the Mississippi State Bulldogs, who are now 9-15 and 15 in SEC play with Tennessee still on the docket. Um, it's uh, – I don't know what to think about this. Um, um, State's not good, but State has complete fairness. State lost – what two weekend arms and got bit by some injuries? We yeah, just won a national title. If you're state, I, I wouldn't freak out too much. No, I wouldn't from a long term perspective either. I mean, they lose Landon Sims, they lose Stone Simmons, and then they uh, then they they lost Auger too as well, which I don't necessarily yeah. remember how he factored much into them. But anyway, you lose that many guys to injuries, it's not great. But I will say, I just pointed out from this standpoint. Look, I don't know who they have. Who do they have next weekend? At Samford, at Texas A&M, North Alabama, Tennessee to finish. Okay, so there's a realistic chance they finish. Oh, this got a shot to get bad. Ten and twenty, and look, it, not that it really matters. Like they won the national title, like that. that you know, like, I'm not suggesting anything long term, but like going ten and twenty injuries aside, the year after you win the national title is not. I mean, it's not what you want because next year I talked to that this with Borky on the Thursday show. Next year was technically supposed to be their rebuilding year, so like. It's it's not great if per se, but I don't know if it actually means anything. I just didn't have them go yeah. twenty barring, you know, just insane injuries. Yeah. Um the thing is like yes, next year. So I think it's it's important we you know how we talk about this. Next year is the year where like, hey, they lose some guys, but man, with this transfer portal thing, you can get stuff fixed real quick if you need to. Like look at Auburn this year. Um, they they hit that transfer portal hard, and instead of rebuilding this year, they're going to host a regional if they continue to play well. 
it's a great point. You're right. And so you're right. Like the, 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 the years of the 11.5 or 11.7 scholarship program, just kind of being like, okay, well, this is going to be a rebuilding year. There's not a ton you can do about it are uh, over because of the portal to some degree or helped by the portal to some degree. So you're right. But um, man, that was a tough way to go out for the Bulldogs because, you know, they beat Ole Miss two out of three in kind of a coin flip series between two teams in a bad way at that point. And so they leave that series, what, eight and ten in SEC play? With Missouri on the road and Florida at home, I mean, at that point, I was sitting there thinking, okay, they're going to make the tournament and they're going to kind of, I don't say make a run, but they're figuring things out. That's a, I don't know. I guess that they went out with the whimper because the schedule set up favorably for them. Now they're toast. I mean, they have at Tennessee and then at uh, and and, then Tennessee at home. And, and like, they, what you have to consider with State is, like, yeah, they got them. They're probably not going to win them, but here's the reality, too. They're 102nd RPI because their non-conference was so bad. So even if you do win them, like, I don't think you're going to get high enough in the RPI for it to matter. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right on that. Like, I mean, they had to take – They, I mean, for their RPI standpoint, they needed to take three against Florida this weekend. I mean, two, they'd have been on life support, but they needed three and they didn't get it. I uh, misspoke. They are – no, 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 sorry. The state series – the Tennessee series is in Starkville. I thought they were both on the road. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah no, fine. they're at A&M at home. They're at home. It doesn't matter. They can play Tennessee on Mars. They're going 0-3, I think. Florida does that on the heels of losing Barco. I don't. I think Florida's kind of uh, probably a toothless three seed somewhere if they get in. Yeah, I don't think they're getting in. But, yes, I agree. I, Florida, like, like I said, you know, Vanderbilt, that's not the team I want to show up my regional. Uh, you know, Florida can show up my regional. That's South Carolina goes on the road. A&M takes two or three from South Carolina in College Station. Texas A&M probably going to host 14 and 10. Did uh, A&M win today or, or no? No, South Carolina staved off a sweep. Would South Carolina have been a pretty bad road team? And, look, I don't think it's mission accomplished for them this weekend. But they kept their hopes on life support to where them at 9-14 would have been absolutely toast. Mm-hmm. I don't think they make it either. I don't think they're very good. But I just remember – I actually, for whatever reason, was reading – something they did like Hawaiian shirts or something to try to change their mojo on the road and the article in the serious note was pointing out that like they need two but if they take one and just don't get swept they'll at least have mathematical chance so I guess well so here here's the issue like mathematically yes you're right um but they were up eight to nothing yesterday and were up 14 to 13 with two outs um in the bottom of the ninth and lost so like yes um mathematically you're fine but you're also probably kicking yourself Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, now they get Kentucky at home, and then I think they're on the road at Florida to end the year. So, I mean, that's not a murderer's row schedule to end it. But, yeah, you're definitely kicking yourself. Speaking of Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. They entered the week 7 and 14 with Tennessee coming to their ballpark. I'm sure Nick Mingione probably has some resumes out elsewhere. And they take two or three. I don't think it will matter for anything. They're still nine and fifteen. Um, I, I don't think this has any sort of uh, sweeping implications. But if you had a Kentucky as the first team to take a series from Tennessee this year, go to the window and cash your ticket. Holy cow! They were going for the sweep today. It didn't happen, but they were going for the sweep. Yeah, yeah. Now, so so Kentucky got a little. Um, lucky i guess and that 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 rain um came in well i guess it actually didn't matter but um no good for kentucky right um i don't think they're close to making the tournament i'm not exactly sure of their record but um 
look, anytime Tony Vitello in Tennessee gets beat, you uh, you got my support. I, I just don't have much use for that program. They are, uh, as I say every week, they just feel like the definition of new money in college baseball. I will make this one point. They looked vulnerable this weekend. I watched a lot of that Thursday game in the TV next to the one that had the NBA playoffs and the hockey and all that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I actually was still up when they were playing in the 13th or whatever. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll stay up for another inning and just see if this finishes. So I watched the finish. Tennessee, That look, look I, they're still really, really good. I don't mean to be like, oh, they, you know, is this the fly in the ointment or, as the, or the, you know, the classic cliches about blueprint beating them and all that. I will say uh-huh. it is a long season and they looked human. They, oh. they they did not look like the machine they had the rest of the, for at other, at other parts of the year, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I kind of pointed that out in March. Like, you know, baseball looks really easy to them right now, but, like, if they're still doing this in May, I'll be impressed. And to their credit, they kind of have, but I've just – I don't know. They looked human this week. You remember Tony Vitello zoom zooming his ass out of that dugout to get that bat from, from the umpire at Vanderbilt? I do. I just wondering if you remember that. Offense hasn't been quite the same since. Well, it's not been great. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been good, but, you know, hey, they uh, they scored, what, 11 runs this weekend? Uh, not exactly what Tennessee does offensively, for the most part. That is not a great uh, – that is not a great Kentucky pitching staff either. That's so, a Kentucky uh, pitching staff that was decimated by injuries. Yeah, the kid that shoved against Ole Miss uh, on that, that game, too, went down with Tommy John after that, or whatever the injury was. Maybe yeah, and they had lost They lost their Friday night guy the week before Ole Miss. So, yeah, and they just shut down Tennessee. Funny how that works. Anyways. Interesting. Certainly, certainly interesting. Auburn loses a hard-fought series to Arkansas. Arkansas looks like they're starting to figure – I'd say starting to figure it yeah. out. They've looked pretty good. I wasn't overly impressed with them. I don't think they played well against Ole Miss. They had, you know, that was on the heels of losing two or three at A&M. Look like they got back on track. I think at the end of the day, they're pretty good. They're probably an Omaha team. Yeah, no, definitely. They're they're a really, really good team. Um, um, yeah, Ole Miss probably kicking themselves because, man, you win one down there, totally different story. But, but yeah, def, definitely an Omaha caliber team and, and table this year for sure. Man, speaking of kicking yourselves, LSU goes on the road and takes two or three from Alabama. The Crimson Tide are now 10 and 14. If you like, how could you have guessed three weeks later after Alabama sweeps Ole Miss? I guess that's four weeks later in Oxford. They're now in the same record and kind of in the same boat from an NCAA tournament standpoint. That's kind of wild to think about. I thought they were yeah. a baseball team, but they're fading fast. Yeah, I thought they were pretty solid. Uh, they are not. I was incorrect in that assumption. Also, thought Ole Miss was better than what they were during that time. So maybe that was why I had both of those incorrect. What else did I miss on that one? I think we went through all of them. No, Georgia, what did they do? No, no uh, they that was Vandy, Georgia. We yeah. covered that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think we hit all of them. So, that was the uh, look around the SEC. Ole Miss has everything to play for. Um, speaking of things to play for, <clears throat> the update on you guys. Where are you guys at? You have a game tomorrow? Yeah, we have a game three tomorrow. We, uh, we were in the third round, one on Friday, lost by one yesterday, and I have to play game three tomorrow. It's going to be a good time. Um, so, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. So it's, uh, it's it's crazy because you know I played in game threes when I was in high school or whatever with our season on the line. It's like I was nowhere near as nervous as I am right now. It's not like nervous that um, you know I think we're going to lose. It's just nervous that like <laughs> our season is literally on the line tomorrow. Now I know how Mike Bianco feels. 
Yeah, no, and you're now getting paid to do it unless you had some illegal <laughs> inducements going on there uh, in high school. And also, I mean, you're right. Like, you're ner- like in high school, you're nervous and, like, you don't want your season in and all that. But, like, I don't know. You're so young and you have so much ahead of you. It's like, oh, I am going to college after this if this doesn't work out. Like, now it's like, well, obviously well, your job and everything. You know, like, it's a different kind of nervous. Well, it, it's funny because we're – I mean, I don't guess anybody from Pine Grove listening to this. We're putting a ninth grader on the mound who, like, does not get nervous. He's, like, the most self – uh, what, what am I trying to say? He, 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 nothing bothers him. So, and, and everything bothers me and he's 14 and I'm 28. So, um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad he's on the mound and not me. Let's put it that way. If someone, uh, is from Pine Grove listening, you're screwed tomorrow. Brain trade from hell coming right at you. So turn this off and go to bed. Uh, <laughs> got to hope so. That's but awesome, I, though. Uh, so you win, does that send you to Trustmark Park, or is there another round? No, no, we, uh, we are three wins from Trustmark Park. Okay, hell yeah. So awesome. It's, it was, man, I, I love our kids because, I mean, I guess like I can say it now. We, uh, our catcher uh, got hurt on Friday night and, and wasn't able to play on Saturday, and we had to put a kid back there that hasn't caught in a year and a half. Um, oh. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully our catcher is going to be okay. But uh, it, uh, it's uh it's been a crazy week for sure but you know it's it's uh it's what that's what you get when you coach high school kids i love them to death but man you uh you see a lot of different things well good luck we'll be rooting for you tomorrow <laughs> i appreciate the time as always go win and advance to the next round and then uh as i haven't said this in like three weeks we will be back next sunday there will be something yeah. to talk about news yeah. so we yeah got we that will uh, for us as well we will definitely be back next sunday Sunday. So hopefully, hopefully Ole Miss will have won at least two games uh, as they venture down south. Good luck in game three. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. That was Colin Brister. I appreciate his time as always. Guy's always ready to come out of the bullpen. Got a big playoff series for him and his team coming up there at Choctaw Central. I think Choctaw Central, Choctaw County, whatever it is. I always forget the names of the high schools there in Mississippi. But good luck to Colin. I appreciate his time as always. And we'll be, we will be back next Sunday for sure because for better or for worse as the Rebels head down to Baton Rouge there's going to be something to talk about they've get themselves given themselves a chance do they make the most of it or do we see more of the same and this past weekend was anomaly I don't know we'll see in the meantime we'll have all kinds of great stuff in the midweek and then a mailbag Friday show so I appreciate you taking taking time to tune in making this show part of your day I really really appreciate it love the feedback as always and we'll catch you later on in the week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.